Uh, now we're going to get to the Word of God. I'm excited to introduce to you the Miller family. Uh, John and Suzette Miller serve in the armed forces. And uh, he's a Marine. She's in the Air Force. Uh, I've, I've gotten to see a lot of... Yeah, let's, this is worth honoring them. We can appreciate and honor them for serving in the military. But even more impressive than that, they raise seven godly children. Powerful children. Now, I have four. And I'm amazed by the miracle of God that I'm still alive. They have seven. Uh, even more impressive than that is the mercy of God on their lives. And John is a minister at our Every Nation Church in Abilene. He's a friend of mine. And seeing the purity of God on this man is, is a blessing to me. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'm going to bring up John to preach God's word. Thank you for being here, brother. Thank you. Yes, sir. I'm simple. I'm not, I'm not bougie. I can work. I'm not one of those type of, those type of pastors or ministers. So, first of all, thank you guys so much for allowing my wife, uh, Suzette, and I to be here. Um, I, I, lo- I love your pastor. Um, and and more than, hopefully you love him more than I love him. Because you're here with him every week. And uh, I remember the, from the first time that I met Peter, I said, oh, yeah, that, that's the reason he has that name, Peter. Because he is for real like Peter. You know, uh, he has that passion and he loves Jesus. And he's going to tell you like it is. You know, and so, uh, so I definitely love him, and thank you so much for allowing me to come here. So what I want to do is I just want to introduce myself. My name is John Miller. Uh, that's my wife, Suzette. We have seven children, 22-year-old, 16-year-old, 14-year-old, two 12-year-olds, 10-year-old, and a 4-year-old. And so we have, a, we, we, we have a lot of babies. If it's one thing that we know how to do, we know how to parent a little bit. We're still, we're, we're still learning, but, but, but that's, my, um, th- that's my boo thing right there. That, that's my good thing, the... The Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and is blessed by the Lord. So I am a blessed man. And so I'm definitely appreciative of her. Um, She's like, she tells me like it is too. And so she's probably looking at me like, John, don't get too excited because when I get too excited, I stutter. And I'm already thinking 10 points down and I'm trying to say it in the same point. So I prayed this morning and said, Lord, hold my tongue. Just keep me. So we, we should be good. We should be good. But we serve as the associate pastors at Grace Point Church. Uh, we've been there since 2012. We, she and I actually met when we were stationed both in Okinawa, and Okinawa, Japan, which is a great location. And so we're definitely grateful um, to be here. And so I know you guys have been in a series called In Christ. And so what he's been doing is taking you guys through our fasting guide that we did a couple of weeks ago and going through those books of the Bible. I believe he did Ephesians 1 the first week, Ephesians 2 the second week, Ephesians 3 the third week. And now this week, I get the honor of preaching to you Ephesians 4. I'm really passionate about this book. Uh, and so if my passion starts to allow me to stutter, just hold up your hand and say, John, slow down, because I don't understand you. And I promise you, I will slow down. Sometimes I think that I'm speaking in tongues, but I'm really not. So if y'all could help a brother out, just help a brother out. And so... Um, Let's get straight into it. Uh, Let's go straight into the word of God. Ephesians chapter 4. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try to cover um, as much of Ephesians 4 as I can, but I really want to hone in on verses 11, 12, and 13. Uh, I really think that that's really going to help us out, not only you, but myself as well. And so I always say that whenever I preach anywhere, that if I can't preach it to myself first, then I don't need to preach it. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit was really hitting me with this. And it reads as follows. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says this. It says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service. Some other verses says for the preparing of the saints for the work of the ministry uh, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and on the knowledge of the son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of of Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much. God, you're so amazing. You're so holy and righteous and true. And God, so we ask now that you would speak a relevant word to our hearts right now. Father, God, that the words that comes out of my mouth would not be my words, but would be your words. And so I ask now for liquidity of speech and nimbleness of thought, 
that I'm able to articulate your ancient truths to your people now in this present age. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. So more than likely, whenever Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, he was more than likely probably incarcerated, uh, which tells me this passion that he has. Uh, Even knowing that he was incarcerated, he still thought that we were worthy enough and that the message of God was uh, uh, powerful enough and needed to get out. And so regardless where he was, he decided that, hey, I need to pen a letter. I need to talk to these people and let them know how powerful the word of God is. Now, I believe that in Ephesians chapter 4 that Paul actually lays a strategy or, or, or you're going to see where I'm going when I say playbook. Uh, he lays a playbook for us that will help us as a local church to grow, to be built up, to uh, grow in love. And in Ephesians 4, we see that there's two conditions for us to be built up in love. I'm not going to use this. I'm sorry. The first one is we will see in verse 12 that the source to be built up is Jesus. That's our foundation. The next one is in verse 16 that each part must do its work. So if God calls you to do something, guess what you're to do? You're to do that. And so I remember when I was about six or seven, I got introduced to sports. Um, um, Baseball was probably my first love, although I was better in basketball, but I didn't play it because I wrestled instead. And so but once I got introduced to baseball, uh, I realized that, hey, I'm pretty decent. I'm pretty decent. And so one thing that I always do whenever I get involved in sports or whether I'm involved in my military career or whatever, I'm still working on the marriage thing. So she's got a lot of grace. So I'm still working on it. So uh, but what I do is I always listen to my coach. My coach told me and he tells me that, hey, John, you would be a lot better if you did this. Whenever you see a fly ball coming at you, John, make sure you take three steps back so you're able to judge where the ball is going to fall. John, whenever you're pitching, don't short arm it. Make sure you come all the way over and you extend all the way through. I listened to my coach. That's what made me so successful. Matter of fact, it made me so successful that I got a baseball scholarship and played a little bit in college before I flunked out because I thought I was all that. Because in high school, the school that I came from, if you were a decent, pretty good athlete, you didn't have to worry about passing your classes. You were going to pass your classes. I hope nobody here has ever did that before because it caused me to flunk out because I thought I was all in a bag of chips, but I really wasn't. And so what I want to talk about to you is how sometimes God calls certain people to be coaches to us. And so I have three points that I really want to talk about, and maybe this will help us to understand why the Pastor Peters are here, why our elders are here while we have prophetic voices and while we have apostles in a ministry and while we have evangelists, maybe that will be one thing that will help us. And so the first thing that I have is he gave some to be coaches. Now, who is he? I'm talking about Jesus. He gave some to be coaches. Ephesians 4 and 11 says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. But what I want to talk about is I really want to focus on the word shepherds and teachers. Pastor Peter, shepherd, pastor, teacher. And some of us may be called to be a pastor or be a teacher. Maybe it's in a different arena. Now, in the Greek, all these offices are the direct objects of gave. He gave. God gave as gifts to the body to steward us, to teach us, to grow us, to help build us up so then we can go out and do the work of the ministry. Now, not all the gifts here are actually listed. If you go to uh, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, you'll notice that the other gifts are lifted there. But we're going to talk about these. Now, some, uh, according to Merriam-Webster, it means an unspecified amount or number. In the Greek, this word is didomi. Everybody say didomi. Say it again, didomi. Didomi. And what this means, this means to commission or to give a gift. And so whenever you look at Greek and Hebrew languages, they're very picturesque, meaning that they always show you a picture of something meaning what the word means. And so what this picture shows, it actually shows the picture of a hand striking a person. Not to hit them, to hurt them, but say uh, uh, the laying on hands. To commission somebody for a specific work. Didomy. And so what he did is he he gave some. Some. Not everybody. Now what we have to understand is that Jesus is the general manager of the team. And it's he who chooses, who coaches the team. 
Now, this is the thing that I love. And I even love whenever I go to my kids' sporting events that as I'm sitting there, because I'm, I'm real quiet, because I want to see what my kids are doing. I want to allow them to be kids. I want them to grow into what they're doing. And, and it really irritates me whenever I hear parents, no, do this. No, you need to move over here. But then you have the coach saying, no, no, listen, listen, Johnny, I need you to do this. If you would just stand here and block out like you're supposed to, you might get a rebound. Stop dribbling the ball so much. Look, whenever you're running that route, you need to make a quick cut and go back the other way. But then you have the parents over there saying, hey, no, don't do that. Do this. And so what they're doing is they're confusing the children because they're not allowing the children to listen and obey to what the coach is telling them. Because our coaches, our pastors, and our teachers, and all of those, they're here for the betterment of us. Because God has given them a vision of how the team is supposed to orchestrate, on how the team is supposed to look, on the vision that I have set, and they're here to tell us what we're supposed to do in order to reach that vision. So although everybody would love to coach, not everybody is called to be coaches. So sometimes you need to sit back and listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling our coaches. If this is a little too raw and too real for you, I'm sorry. But I won't apologize for it because this is, this is my passion. And this is what I love to do. Now, coaches, our pastors and our teachers, they're commissioned or assigned to work with each individual player. Now, I'm not saying that you need to have all of the coach's time because uh, if I decide that I want to get all of my pastor's time, all the, hey, you need to come and tell me what to do. Am I doing this right? How about this? I know you told me to do this, but can you please tell me again, if I'm hogging all of their time, how are they going to be able to coach anybody else? And if they can't coach anybody else, how are we going to be able to work together as a team? And so it's the coach's job to speak to each and every individual. I'm not saying individually. Now, there are people that they meet with that we speak to on an individual basis. And then what we do, as you'll see when we get down to the next verse, is we empower them to now go and do the exact same thing. So it's not that we're trying to hog what we need to do. Because whenever God gifts us for things, he gifts us to give to others. So that way they can go and give the same gift to somebody else. That's what we're called to do. And everybody is actually called to be a minister in their own right. The job is not just supposed to be for those that are leading us, for the pastors and the teachers and for the worship leaders and for our children's directors and and, and our ministry. It's not only for that. Our job is to equip you so that you can go out and do what God said to do, so that you can run with the vision. And the reality is this. God gave each, every one of us, universally, collectively, a vision. And it's from the book of Matthew 28, 18, and 20, and we should all know this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority, hold on, some, some authority, it, oh, all authority, all, which means you're not God, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That last part is really encouraging to me. It should be encouraging to you. That regardless what God sends us to do, what mission field he sends us on, we can be encouraged to know that he is with us always even until the end of this age. But John, what about whenever I go and I try to disciple somebody and they reject me? They're really not rejecting you. They're rejecting the word that God gave you. So we should stop taking so many things personal and understand that it's not personal. And so we're going to get a little bit into that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, and so the second thing that I want to talk to you about is whenever coaches coach us, they give us the ability to do certain things, um, without being scared to do it, uh, without being reserved in doing it. We're able to do it because we've listened to the coach. We've accepted the coach is there for a certain reason. I love them enough to take their instruction, and now they have prepared me. So my next point is this. 
prepared players participate. Prepared players participate. Ephesians 4 and 12 says, For the equipping of the saints, this is the purpose, while we have our pastors and our teachers and our leaders, our ministry leaders, is for the equipping or the preparing or the strengthening or the building up of the saints for the work of service, for the work of ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ. Steve Morrill said in this book, Wiki Church, he says, you don't need to find a great man of woman of God and get a trickle-down anointing. You need to be a woman of God and a man of God and realize that God has anointed you to do ministry and to make disciples. I, I, I hate it, and it's funny because I actually used to be in this kind of organization a long, long, long time ago until I really met Jesus. That what I would do is if my pastor, my bishop, or whatever would go, and I would love to just be, man, I know if they just touch me, if they just have a word for me, then I will be able to do this. But the realization is, is it's God who equips you. God has equipped every last one of us. God gave every one of us a mission, and that's to go, therefore, and make disciples into all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and take courage. He's with us always, everywhere that we go. And so we don't have to wait for somebody to come and lay hands on us to say, now you go and disciple them. Now you go and speak to them. God has already equipped every last one of us with that power, with that responsibility, and with that kind of anointing. The only thing you have to do is be courageous. Be bold enough to say, whatever happens, happens. But I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit told me to do. Now, we aren't prepared to play unless we're loyal to God. We're loyal to the coach, to our pastors, to the gift that God gave us, unless we're loyal to them. Now, see, when we're prepared or equipped, we can be used by God in a grander sense to advance his kingdom. If I don't accept the instructions from the word of God, if I don't accept the instructions from the, the, the equipping of our pastors and our teachers, our ministry leaders, our worship team director, our whatever director that you have, if I don't accept that instruction, I will not be prepared to go out then and do what God commanded us to do, make disciples. Now, I can go out there, and if I get rejected, it may hurt me to my heart because now I'm so emotional because they told me no to get away from them, and I may walk around and be like, well, guess what? I'm never going to talk to anybody again because this one person told me no. But did you guys know that no is actually empowerment to you? Because now what I have to do, and I'm going to get further down my message, but I'm going to go ahead and say right now. So what I have to do is I have to find a different way to disciple them. If they said no in the prior way that I was doing it, why don't I find another way? Because we're going to talk about something that Paul said later on. Now, this, 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 word, this word, I'm sorry guys, I, I, I love Greek and Hebrew words. Now, I'm not a scholar, so don't think that I am, but sometimes words jump out to me. I'm like, I wonder really what that means. And so sometimes I may mispronounce them, but that's okay. Be faithful and go fact check me. And if I'm wrong, shoot me a text, say, John, you was completely wrong on that. And I'll say, you know what? I'm so sorry. I will correct that. Okay? So when I look at this word equip, this word equip in the Greek, in the Greek is actually katartizo. Katartizo. And so what it means, it means to build up, to build, to set straight, to strengthen, or to perfect. And so what it does, it actually paints a picture of a builder who's building a house by laying each brick strategically to strengthen that house or that building for perfection. And so what a pastor's job is, is to build me up. The teacher's job is, what a ministry leader's job is, is to build me up. Because once I'm built up enough, once they strategically set those bricks, brick by brick, layer by layer, covering the things that need to be covered so that everything that they've taught me sticks together, then I will be built up enough and I will be strengthened enough and I will be on my journey of perfection, not perfected because we're never perfect. We're never perfect. But everything that we're doing is we're always being perfected. Once I accept who they are, accept what God has called them to do, allow them to equip me for the work of the ministry, allow them to layer the brick by brick to build something up, then my foundation is sure. And then I can go out there and I can preach. 
And then I can go out there and I can teach. And then I can go out there and I can disciple them the same thing they did to me. Guess what I have to do now? Is I regurgitate the exact same thing that they just did to me. That's what our job is. Our pastors and teachers, our coaches' job is to build us up, to disciple us with a sound foundation so we can go then and make disciples. How many of you guys love to make disciples? See a couple hands. Okay. <laughs> we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Some hands kind of did this. You know, no, that's okay because, because guess what? Disciple making, discipleship is scary. It really is. But guess who lives on the inside of you? Jesus. So guess what Jesus did? He won the victory for you. He gave you strength and gave you power that you would, wouldn't even realize that if you would just open your mouth and just say a word, how much Jesus would go out of that word. I think the reason why a lot of us are scared to, to, to make disciples is because we try to do it under our own power and we utterly fail. That's why we get the nose and we get the pushback like, oh, well, I don't want to disciple anymore because they said no. Now I'm scared to go talk to anybody in this world. <laughs> if they say no to you, who cares? Find a different way. Find a different way to disciple them. Um, Jesus being our, being our general manager. Uh, you, are, are you guys okay with the sports analogy? If you're not, let me know and I'll try to get a different one. I'll just tell the Holy Spirit to speak to me really quick and hopefully I can get another one. <laughs> but I think he prepared me, so, you know, so, so what it is, 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 is I'm going to give a quick football analogy really quick. Jesus Christ is our general manager. I am a Dallas Cowboys fan. I will pray for you, booze. You need Jesus and you need saved. I believe that the Dallas Cowboys is Jesus' team. And so you need to jump on board. And so Jesus is to us the Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. Is before a coach comes to coach the Dallas Cowboys, before a pastor comes or a teacher comes to pastor a church, it first has to go through the process of Jesus vetting whoever out. And regardless, this is, what, this is the part I really like, Re- regardless of who we think is the best fit, Jesus already knows who the best fit is. And it may come in a way that maybe you're used to being coached a different way. Well, I came from a church where they were yelling all the time, yes, Jesus, there's nothing wrong with that. Or I came to a church where they were like, Joel Osteen, this is my Bible. You know, nothing wrong with that. Maybe you, you, you come to a different church and you're saying, well, maybe that person needs to be like this. Well, that is completely wrong. Because we should never try to equate or, or, or put those stipulations on a person that God has called to do what God has called them to do. Whenever I was called to, I'm 39, I'll be 40 in July this year. Whenever I was called to... Uh, to the ministry, I was 19 years old. Uh, I preached my first sermon when I was 20, 21. Uh, uh, epic fail. <laughs> Why? Because I, I love T.D. Jakes. And I remember, I, I remember the, fir- the first sermon that I ever preached was, don't look back. And I got on there and I said, get ready, get ready. Get-. And I was like, oh man, that is, that was an epic fail because God did not call me to be T.D. Jakes. God called me to be John Edward Miller Jr., all five foot nine, bald and handsome. This is who God called me to be, so I can't be anybody else. And so sometimes I get nervous when I go different places and when I preach or when I speak because I'm always, uh, uh, Lord, do I need to speak like Pastor Peter? Lord, do I need to speak? No. Why? Because God's called me to be me. He's called me to coach like me. I'm not... I'm, I'm, I get really excited when I get here because I love the word of God. And sometimes I'm very animated on things. But I love Jesus so much that if I try to be somebody else, I'm failing because that's counterfeit. And Jesus can't bless counterfeit. Jesus won't bless a counterfeit team. And so what he does is he calls the coaches. He equips the coaches to then speak to everybody else to play their part. And so... If I'm on a football team, the quarterback is supposed to lead the offense, right? 
And he's supposed to call the plays. Look, this is what we're going to play. Flyzy, whatever, all those plays are. I don't know. I'm 40 years old. I haven't coached to play football in a very long time, so I don't remember all the plays. And then if he sees something, now watch this. This is what our pastors and teachers, this is what our coaches does. If they're there and they're getting ready to snap the ball and they see something that the defense is trying to do, maybe there's a hole that the defense can come in to maybe hit somebody really hard, to knock them down. The pastor's and the teacher's job and the coach's job uh, and, 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 and our quarterback's job is supposed to call an audible. Because what he's trying to do is he's trying to protect his team. He's trying to equip his team so then they can go and run and score a touchdown. And so if I see the enemy here and I'm saying, hey, look at this. This is how we're supposed to do things. And I'm there, I'm like, oh, there's a gap right there. I see that linebacker coming. He's about to stunt. He's about to pull out this all-out blitz. And I need to call Audible. Hey, Audible, Audible, black nine, black nine. So that's telling them, hey, this hole is open. You're about to get slit. You're about to get, hey, he's about to hammer you right now if you don't adjust. And so that's what our pastors and our teachers and our coaches are here to do. They're here to call the play. So the quarterback is supposed to be the quarterback. He leads the offense. The lineman is supposed to be a lineman. He's supposed to block for the quarterback, for the running back, and even sometimes for the receivers that are out there. The running back is supposed to run the ball. Now, every now and again, you'll get a running back that's good enough that he's able to throw the ball a little bit, but primarily, he's not the quarterback. He's not the leader of the team. It's the quarterback who gives the plays, but the quarterback gets the plays from the coach. And the coach is empowered and equipped from the general manager to do what he does. And so the very minute that I step outside of the confines of not obeying and listening to my coach, I'm going to get hammered and I'm going to get slaughtered and I'm not going to be able to do the thing in which God called me to do. I love what Bill Belichick says, the coach of the New England Patriots. I can't stay in that team. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, yeah. Anyways, so Bill Belichick says this. He says his, after he coaches his teams, he tells them what their positions are supposed to be, tells them what they're supposed to do. He says, now that you're equipped to do what you do, do your job. Do your job. Three simple but most powerful words. Do your job. And why do I say that? Because the coach has equipped you to do your job. He's equipped you to go and make disciples. He's equipped you that whenever somebody steps down or away from ministry, that you're able to fill in and do your job. If you're a worship leader, you're not called to be a pastor right now. I'm not saying to call that on your life. If you're a children's director, you're not called to be a worship leader. I, mean, I would love to be a worship leader, but I can't sing. I sing to myself all the time. My wife tells me I'm tone deaf. I think I'm in tune. But she's like, no, no, baby, no, you, you just, just, just stop. Just stop. But God didn't call me to be a worship leader. And so he called me to be a worshiper. But he didn't call me to be a worship leader because if I lead anybody a worship, we all got to be off and we don't need to do that. I know sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's hard. And I'm going to get sometimes it's hard for us to go out and disciple others because we are um, called to go out into different cultures. We're called to go out into nations. But culture is irrelevant when it comes to discipleship. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. I was about to start singing Michael Jackson, but I decided not to do that. Because I would have had to do the dance, and I can't dance. And so it doesn't matter if you're black or white, Hispanic, Asian. It doesn't matter. Your job as a disciple maker is to go out into the nations and speak to everybody of every nationality, of every socioeconomic background. It doesn't matter. I don't care if it's the president. If God tells me, hey, I want you to go and speak some some life-changing words to him, guess what my mandate is to do? To go and do that. Now, if he rejects that, that's between him and God. But God, I obeyed you and told you and did what you told me to do. In 2018, the word for my house is, what's the word for a house? <laughs> courage. <laughs> it's courage. But, and it's also positivity. Yeah, our house. Positivity. And so my job is to try to be as positive to everybody in my house, also outside of my house, as possible. Wherever people see down situations or, 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 or maybe they're just beat up right now, my job is, okay, this happened to you, but where, where can we go from here? What did you learn from this? It's to be positive. That's, that's what the job of a coach does. Discipleship is not based on where our lives are, 
but it's based on our willingness to go meet others where theirs is. Let me say that one more time. Discipleship is not based on where our lives are, but it's based on our willingness to go meet others where theirs is. Paul says it the best in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 22. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that I, by all means, I might save some. So what is Paul saying to us? Get out your comfort zone. Stop hanging around the normal group because you're just going to reach that normal group and you're not really growing because you're comfortable, because it's familiar to you. God is a God of intentionality. And he places people in your way for reasons. I remember when we came to Grace Point in 2012, our first time going there, I told, I told my wife, I said, that church is weird. We ain't going back there. <laughs> and what I think is weird because I came from a predominantly black churches. That, that's what I grew up in. And I went to this church and I seen black people and white people and Asian people and people from Africa. And I seen a black pastor, but I see this white person also leading. And, and I see these old people and these young people and they're singing all these different genres of, 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 of gospel, Christian music. I'm like, oh, no, we ain't going back there. But that sermon series the pastor was just talking about, I still remember 2012, was, was tasty. He was talking about the fruit of the spirit, how although there's these different gifts that we have, they're all for one purpose. And I still remember that. And we went and looked at other churches and I said, nope. We can't go to these other churches either. We, we got to go back here. And now I can't go anywhere else. And so every nation is where I'm at. So we have to stop discipling others based on how we were discipled and disciple them based on what they need us to be. We have to find another way by all means necessary. Everybody matters to God. And God wants everybody to play in the game. He doesn't want any sideline bystanders. But he wants everybody to play in the game. God's team is not just orchestrated of 11 players. God's team is orchestrated of everybody. Er, everybody. Everybody is on this team. And so 1 Corinthians 12 and 12 tells us this. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. I love the simple fact that God has gifted me this way, but he's gifted Pastor Peter that way. And he's gifted my wife this way. And he's gifted all of you this way. And all those giftings together makes up the body. It's kind of like my hand. I have a thumb and all these other fingers. But if one of them's missing, something doesn't function like it was supposed to. And so every gift that God gives us is for the body of Christ. And I'm to my last point. I told you I came from predominantly black church. So I'm getting ready to close. Some of you may know what I'm talking about there. Some of you may know what I'm talking about there, and I promise you, I'm going to do one close, and I'm not going to do about six or seven different closes, so hopefully I can stick to this one. And so this is, this is, this is, my, this is my last point. God calls those to coach. Once you are equipped, you now need to get in the game to play. But also, if you are equipped, equip players mature through the process. There's a process. Everybody hates that P word. Say process. How dare you cuss at me, John? I don't want to go through the process. Why? Because process hurts. Process shows us insufficiencies within ourselves. Process makes us uncomfortable. 
But processes is the best thing that could ever happen to us because we're able to engage Jesus Christ in a real way. And he's able to take some things out to build us up. And so, verse 13 says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Maturity is a process that, that, that I believe consists of three things. You being fat. Now, I ain't talking about fat as in obese fat. And I ain't talking about fat as in P-H-A-T. If you know what that means, that's my wife. Pretty hot and tempting. I love you, boo. Amen. Brownie points, y'all. Brownie points, y'all. And so what I'm talking about is being fat. Is F, you have to be faithful. A, you have to be available. And T, you have to be teachable. Attaining unity requires faithfulness. Now, faith says, coach, I believe you. I believe that if I just would have stepped this way and came back, that I would have got hit so hard. But faithfulness says, coach, I believe what you said, so therefore I'm going to put that into practice now. Faith says, John, I believe everything in the scripture that you're saying, but faithfulness says, look, brother, I'm going to fact check you. And that's what I hope that you would do. Is don't just believe anybody at their word. Don't just believe anybody when they come to Scripture. You be faithful and go and read it for yourself. Because God is telling me something, but he may be telling you something totally different. Now, I can speak a word, and everybody hears the exact same word, but the meaning of it can be 10,000 times different than what you've heard it. And so you need to be faithful and go and do your research and do your job. Now, receiving the knowledge of the Son of God requires availability. Availability. Lovability. If I want to be better and if I want to be well coached, I must make time to go through the coaching process and being available. Whenever we have trainings in the church or we have different things that we do on the outside, guess what I need to do? I need to make myself available to be there. I need to make myself available to get the coaching from the coach or the teacher or the instructor. And then T, I have to be teachable. That's okay, coach. I know it all. Pride, pride, pride. Pride. Before pride comes destruction. Before pride comes a fall. No, thank you so much, coach. Yeah, I know I need to do that better. Thank you so much for showing me that, for, for telling me that. Because if I do this over again, I know that something is going to be messed up. I can get my keyboardist to come forward and close it now. (laughs) But the time for transformation and change is now. You don't have tomorrow. You don't have the next minute. If I'm seeking the unity of faith, then I myself must live by faith. If I'm seeking to attain the knowledge of the Son of God, then all of my other goals come second to Him. My education, my family, whatever job that I have, it comes second to Him. I didn't say, now that's what I didn't say. I said it comes second to Him, not second to the church. There's a difference. If I am to mature through which Christ lives, I must focus on my growth and not rely on what I think I know. But I must make him famous and take the focus off of me. You will never learn to be fully in Christ if you don't allow yourself to be coached through the process. And you will never allow yourself to be fully in Christ if once you've been coached through the process, you don't get in the game and participate. And you will never learn to be fully in Christ and allow him to live totally inside of you. And you'll be so consumed with him that when you walk by somebody, they say the same thing that they said about Peter. Oh, he's been with Jesus. He's one of them. She's one of them if you don't allow yourself to go through the process. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but maybe, maybe, maybe there might just be one that says, John, 
I've been hiding on the background. I've been hiding on the sideline because I didn't want to get in because I didn't want to get hurt. Or maybe because I have a problem with somebody who's leading me. That's your problem to deal with. And our job is to coach you that when you do have a problem, that your man are warm enough to go to them and say, look, I had this problem. I'm sorry. Tell me what the real deal is. Because how you said that may not have been the exact way that you meant it. But I need to know. And maybe that's stopping you from being in the game. Maybe you have a problem with one of your teammates. And it's stopping you from ministering to your full potential. Do your job. Don't worry about theirs. You do what God has called for you to do. And so what I want to do, if you're not embarrassed or you're not ashamed, if, if you're saying, look, John, I, 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 I need to get into what God has called me to do, and I'm ready now. I'm tired of being in the background. I'm ready to be empowered. I'm ready to be equipped. I'm ready to be built up. I'm ready to be strengthened. I'm ready to start this perfecting process. I want you to come forward so we can pray for you. You don't, you don't have to be scared. Or, or, or maybe you're even in a place to where you're, you're doing what God has called you to do, but you know there's more. But you're playing it safe because you're afraid of where God is, called, where God is calling you to and what he's called you to do. I want you to come forward. You say, God, I don't care who's around me. This ain't about them. This is about me and you. This is about what you've called me to do. This is about my growth process. And in the middle of me growing, I know that I'm able to help out somebody else. God, I'm willing to go and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them everything that you taught me. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, and not only will I be going by myself, I know that you said that you're going to be with me always, even until the end of time. And as they're here, maybe, maybe there's somebody sitting out there who is playing like they know Jesus, but you don't really know Jesus. Who's been playing for a long time like you're saved because you hang out with saved people, but you've never really surrendered your life to him. You've never made him Lord of your life. I want to extend an opportunity to you. If that's you, come forth. Because time waits for no man. Or maybe you're saying, John, I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior, but I kind of stepped back a little bit, and I'm just ready to get back in the fold now. I'm ready to rededicate my life now. If that's you, come forward. Amen. 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 And so if, if you've answered that second call, that you're ready to get back in the fold now, after we pray, we're going to have some leaders here. They're just going to share some quick words with you, talk to you, let you see what that process is going to look like, let you know that you are not condemned because there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, let you know that you are loved. And then we're all collectively as a body is going to pray for Pastor Peter. So Father, I thank you so much for these amazing people, for this amazing church, for this amazing leadership that's here and Father I pray now Lord God that everybody who's came up Father because they know that they have been equipped they know that now they need to go out and run this race to participate in this game to be a team player Father God let them know that they are activated now in the name of Jesus and that you have anointed each and every person God to go be ministers of your gospel. That they don't have to worry about trying to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor or a teacher, but they just need to love you enough to share that with somebody else. 
Father, and so I pray now that as they embark on this new journey, as they embark on this journey, this new commitment to you, that you would strengthen them like never before. That you would begin to speak to them like never before. Father, that you would allow the anointing to be so strong on them, Lord God, that if they just walk by a person, that somebody's going to come to them and say, hey, I felt something. What is that? And they're bold enough to tell their story. Not my story or somebody else's story, but their story. And that they're bold enough, God, to step outside of their culture to reach the nation. I ask that you would strengthen their feet, God, that they would never get tired of running this race. I ask that you would strengthen their shoulders, God, that they would never get tired of carrying this mandate on their shoulders, God. But let them know that they're not doing it by themselves, that we're all here together. God, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would that you would have your way. and that you would fill them afresh and anew right now. Father, we love you. We praise you and we glorify you. Father, I thank you for those who have come to rededicate their lives to you. To saying, you are no longer just the savior of my life, but you are the Lord of my life. I ask that you would bless them in the name of Jesus that you would allow them to have coaches, to have mentors, to have leaders, to have friends that would run alongside of them, Father, that would help to pick them up when they get weak, that would help carry them whenever they feel like they can't go anymore, God, and allow them to push just a little farther. I thank you, God. I thank you for the brokenness. And I ask that where there is brokenness, God, that you would begin to piece those puzzles back together. where the hearts are broken and they don't have peace, God, that you would begin to have, give them peace that surpasses all understanding. And if the situation doesn't change, God, that doesn't mean that you've moved or that you've changed. But our perspective will look differently through different lenses. Father, we glorify you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So before I turn this back over to Pastor Peter, Pastor Peter, if you come up here, sir. This is what I want you. How many of you guys love your pastor? Where's your wife? Is your wife in here? Okay, okay, cool, cool. And so what I want for all of us, for all of you to do, is I want for all of you to stand up. I'm, I'm, I'm very big on honor. You'll never believe on how far you can go by honoring those who are over you. Because the the anointing doesn't flow from the ground up. The anointing actually flows from the top down. And so what what I want to do is is as we pray for Peter, is I want everybody who loves him, if you don't love him, keep your hands down. But if you do love him beyond a shadow of a doubt, and you say, look, I'm going to ride or die with you, Peter. That's my boy. If somebody goes for him, you're going to have to go through me first. Those are the kind of people that I'm talking about. Because I want all of you to stretch your hands towards this man of God. Come on up here, man. And for his wife as well. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray that God would strengthen them. That this season of his life would be a season of clarity. That this season of his life would be a season of empowerment. And that whatever season that God ever places them in would be anointed by him and they were able to step knowing that this is God's doing and not theirs. So, Father, I thank you so much for the Dusans. I thank you so much for their love for you and their love for the people of God. And so, Father, we... We come now, God, and we pray for clarity over this man and woman's life right now in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that whenever whenever you say move, that he doesn't think or question, that he just trusts you. 
that he moves knowing that everything is already worked out. And the people of God will follow him according to the vision that you've placed in his life. Father, and so we pray now for more strength. We pray, God, for more peace. We pray, God, for more knowledge and understanding of you. And that the way that they love your people and the way that they reach your people, God, would be expanded. God, enlarge their territory. Yes, Lord. Every place that the sole of their foot treads on, God, is theirs. Father God, we thank you that they are blessed by you. We thank you that through your power, they are in Christ. God, we give you glory. We give you praise. And God, I even pray right now for Peter's shoulder. God, that you bring healing and restoration right now. Father, where there is pain, that it will be settled. Where there is limit of mobility, God, that you would give him full mobility. That your Holy Spirit would even come right now and heal him. So that the work of you is not hindered by any of this. That he's able to go and push further. God, I even pray for the hurts of the people that are here now. For any ailments that are here. We stretch our hands now and say, God, heal them. Restore them now in the name of Jesus. Be with them in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, you begin to do a work now. Allow them to fill it. We ask for notable miracles in the name of Jesus. Notable healings now in the name of Jesus. Not only in our adults, but even in our children, Father. That whatever is going on, God, that you would begin to orchestrate the healing process the restoration process in the name of Jesus. Satan, we rebuke you now in the name of Jesus. And we rebuke any thought that rises itself up against the knowledge of Christ that you are cast down in the name of Jesus. Father, you be glorified. You be edified now and forever. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen.